Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also a published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called A Vocal Owner's Manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about, and that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Motown Philly podcast. I am your co-host, Tim Golden, here with my co-host, Jason Hall. What's going on, guys? What up, though? And Jason is the Motown of Motown Philly from none other than Detroit, Michigan. I, Tim Golden, in the Philly of Motown Philly from the city of brotherly love. And Jason, I think you have some gratitude to offer on our behalf. Why don't you go ahead and tell folk how grateful and appreciative we are of our listening audience. Listen, guys, always and forever, we we don't exist unless you guys are on the other side listening to us, sending us great reviews, text messages, DMs, letting us know how much you're tuned in and tapped into our topics as we explore them in real time. We are grateful. We know that you guys are out there. Um, we are uh, active on socials, definitely within our Facebook group. So get at us, talk to us, let us know you're listening. Let us know how we're doing. If you have any critique, we just want, we want to be able to respond to them. And um, we just thank you for all the encouragement back to you thank you all so much jay thanks for passing it back to me well this week we're going to get right into our topic for episode 28 of the motown philly podcast which is companionship and communication mm -hmm. companionship and communication now we like to choose these topics very broadly so the terms are broad and they may overlap to some degree with some of the other things that we've talked about. So, for example, today I expect you'll probably hear a lot of stuff from episode two of the Motown Philly podcast, which was on vulnerability. But that's all right. We could recycle a few things here and there as we go along. But today we're going to talk about vulnerability in the context of companionship. Mm -hmm. An old joke where one guy says to another, why'd you get married? And he said, one guy was complaining about his marriage to another one. And the guy friend said to him, well, if it was that bad, why'd you get married? And he replied, I got married because I wanted companionship. And his friend replied, companionship, man, you could have got a dog. Mm. And so that's a barge. <laughs> and so. Here we are. Companionship. What a topic, Jason. What a topic to discuss. You know, I want to begin our topic with 
some insight into a fictitious story. It's the story that maybe we all know and some of us love. I know I know it and I love it. Mm-hmm. Some may know it and not be so fond of it, but whatever whatever your whatever your opinion of it, it's the story of Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. And poor Charlie is trying to play football with Lucy. And no matter how hard Charlie tries to kick the football because he is depending on Lucy holding the ball there for him. What we see time and again on peanuts is that Charlie, the main character ends up falling flat on his back because Lucy moves the ball. No matter how many times Charlie tries to kick it, she moves it. And Jason, as I thought about Charlie Brown, I thought about the risks involved in Mm -hmm. human relationships. Here's the thing, folks. Charlie could kick the ball every time without fail. If instead of playing with Lucy, he just rested the ball on a tee. Mm -hmm. Tee is that plastic or that small rubber doohickey that you just it has three prongs on it and you just rest the football which Mm -hmm. fits in it as an oblong object it fits perfectly into the tee and it holds it there in place Mm -hmm. and charlie could put the ball there on the tee and he could run and he could come forward and he could kick it and this 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 scenario so impressed me, Jason, that I wrote a poem about it. And I'll give I'll give the verse of the poem in just a second. But here's here's the thing. If if Charlie played with the T, he would alone he would pick it every time, but he would be alone. Mm -hmm. And the reason he keeps playing with Lucy is because I think somewhere along the line, Jason, Charlie has decided that the risk of him falling flat on his back and humiliating himself is worth the reward of playing the game with another person. Mm. And the little verse I wrote about it goes like this. Charlie Brown can't kick that ball. He always seems to take a fall. Why does he always hit a wall? He took a risk. He balls his fist and he shakes it at Lucy. The problem isn't Uno. It's Dos. See? Charlie could always kick the ball if he just used the T. Charlie? That's me. Falls in love with a girl and she enters his world, but then she moves the ball and I take a fall? Lucy? Nah, I'd rather play alone with just me and the T. Now, there's other verses to that. Right. I'm going to go to a spoken word night and drop that one of these days. I love Hopefully it. Hopefully, get me some snaps. But mm-hmm. until then, it, that's, our, that's our segue. That's our entryway mm-hmm. into this discussion of companionship, Jason, because... Charlie makes this judgment that, you know what? I would rather play with Lucy than go it alone by myself. And I'm wondering how often 
everyday human beings striving to be in relationship with one another, which we seem to be inclined to do. I think mm -hmm. the pandemic has told us that we need the society of one another, mm -hmm. right? And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are, Jason, on this problematic of companionship. Is it worth the risk? If you decide that it's not worth the risk, do you go through life by yourself? Can you go through life by yourself? Right. I think you I think many people can. I think we're going to have to explore different mm -hmm. types of relationships relationships right mm -hmm. we have relationships with our family we have platonic relationships with our friends we have romantic relationships either actually or potentially with others in whom we may be romantically interested and we have relationships with pets mm -hmm. animals with animals with dogs cats fish etc so what's your take on all this jason what do you make of this risk reward calculus of charlie brown and how it applies to us i mean i like the fact that you know we started off with the charlie brown uh, analogy when you look at charlie brown and those who ran in his circle you think about you know you i don't think you can uh divorce the idea of Charlie Brown and of course his his main his main guy Snoopy and you know which was a which was a pet a dog and it's funny Snoopy had his a, a companion companion yes um trust a companion like he's like Snoopy not he I was gonna say low-key a the star of that particular show but maybe high-key like Snoopy is definitely synonymous with the character uh, Charlie Brown, and it's funny that he also Snoopy had a companion who was who was Woodstock. Just the general theme of companionship screams relationship, or screams our propensity as human beings to need connection with others more specifically humans however we can see in life there are various types of relationships human connections that we can have and a lot of times even as humans we do use pets we do you we do use domestic animals in order to somehow facilitate a type of companionship due to the lack of human connection. Um, I think sometimes even animals serve as a, a safe protection for intimacy. Uh, I could be jumping the gun a little bit, but I think this is where we'll, we'll probably end up going in, in this conversation. Uh, when we thought about doing this particular this particular episode we talked we thought and talked about relationship currency like that's a real thing and maybe as we talk we will flesh that idea out and 
the need to understand that in relationships, every type, there is some risk. There is some level of um, vulnerability that we have to have due to a simple fact that in some way, shape or form, we are opening up ourselves to be hurt, to 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 risk some level of pain um, through the relationships that we have. And whether we do it consciously or subconsciously, unconsciously, we are in some way doing our best to manage or steward how much is this relationship going to cost me if it doesn't go well? So on the front end, we are in some ways controlling, if you will, managing like what what can I get? What will I get? What is the estimate return hey, on this on this relationship that I'm seeking to embark on and pets, humans, intimate relationships and the various ones outside of that particular realm of intimacy, we we weigh to see, you know, is this is this worth it? Can I handle this? I it's 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 true that the character in your story who was often trying to kick the football that that type of dynamic that he was trying to what he, and what he was trying to do like he needed a person to facilitate when it was clear that he could have been kicking the ball just as easily by himself and he took risks every single time to enter in that that type of interaction to then almost predictably take a fall and he had to in some ways like pre prejudge or manage that risk of 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 coming up hurt hmm. not just physically but emotionally too yeah so i want to that's really good i want to pick up on this notion of calculation mm. of rational calculation mm -hmm. because from what you said it sounds like all of us on some level are engaged in a radical form of cost benefit analysis mm. in the interest arguably in the interest of self-care mm. right yeah and if we if we love ourselves I love myself. I love myself. <laughs> we, we, we'll tell y'all what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but but even as you say that to yourself as you're listening, just say after me, say I love myself. Yeah, yeah, y'all say just that. Repeat, just repeat that to yourself. Mm -hmm. But even as we as we engage in this exercise of rational calculation, arguably in the interest of self-love, I think it's important for us to examine the different kind of relationships that we have. For example, you can't pick your family, mm -hmm. but you can pick who in your family is in your estimation worthy of your vulnerability. 
mm-hmm. even though you can't pick your brothers, your sisters, your mother, your father, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, whomever, you're born into the world. Nobody asks to come here, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once you're here, you're sort of living with family. So you, you, you may you may calculate to yourself and say, hmm. If I open up to my brother or to my sister or to my mother or father, what in the world is, what are the repercussions of this, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of that is rational. So you don't choose your family, but you do choose your friends. Yeah. And you do choose your romantic partners. And you do choose your pets, Mm -hmm. right? And is there, if you had to... Excuse me, Jason. If you had to articulate a sliding scale of vulnerability with five being the highest level of vulnerability and one or zero being virtually no vulnerability at all. How would you rank those various relationships? Family, platonic friendships, romantic partners, and uh, let's let's go let's go coworkers, okay. right? Let's go coworkers or fellow students or whomever, and pets. You got five categories. You got a scale of one to five. Which, if you had to rank those in terms of emotional investment and emotional risk, how would you do that? Let's 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 see if we can tackle that together. You and I together. You give a score, and I give a score. Let's let's start with let's start with family. Um, five being the most intimate. One or zero. Do you say one? One being less less risky less likely to, for intimacy right mm-hmm. i'm i'm giving family and i'm this is experiential i'm giving family and maybe generally i'm giving them like two or three if we, if we if we can flex it i'm just being honest maybe, yeah. maybe i give two i give i give family a two and a half because family is you still have something of a choice there. I mean, you always have a choice mm-hmm. in relationships in terms of what you reveal. But I, I think your choice plays a bigger role in family. So, uh, and of course, if you do invest, depending on who relative, which relative it is, it can be emotionally devastating, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to cut that down the middle and give that a two point. I like five. that. I like that. But let's let's be clear. Are we saying? Are we talking about? Are we talking about our vulnerability, or we're talking about our idea of 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 making or keeping these individuals in our lives as companions? Or are they kind of one and the same? Uh, as we so, as we march forward yeah that's a good that's a good distinction to make i i hadn't thought of that so you could say that uh, family in some sense will will always be a companion almost by default yeah i was gonna say the exact same thing in so, some way right <laughs> because there's a there's a blood relation or right. 
it, there's a there's a there's a legal relation. I mean, if some people are adopted and so forth, right, and right, so right, right, right. But we'll we'll use the term blood relation to uh -huh. encompass all of that. Uh -huh. and, and so there's a there's a blood relationship. So your family is always going to be your family, so, regardless of what emotional investment you make in that. Right. That's why I'm not going to put it at a five. But mm -hmm. if you do make that investment, your family can really, really cause you a lot of pain. And uh, I so think, I'm going to say 2.5. Yeah, yeah, I think just by default and the family will always be there type deal, like they're going to get a two, right? Like across mm -hmm. the board, they get two. They all get a two for you and for me. But it's like 0.5 that I would I would give you as well because I was fluctuating between a two and a three. Like it's the point five that where you get that you get to choose. That's mm -hmm. the option where you get to choose and see them as as life companions on on some level. So two point five for me too. Yeah. Um. The next category of friends, and I don't mean Facebook friends. I don't mean social media followers. I'm talking about friends. <laughs> talking you don't want to do friends. you don't want to do coworkers before we move to friends. Oh, coworkers. We always oh, do coworkers. Yeah, we could do coworkers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm a cut a co-worker down the middle around about 2.5 too because depending on what you tell your co-worker how vulnerable you get you might get five bro I'm going like 1.5 they gotta be under family at least I mean, you know they just cause you Man, know, some people are tighter with co-workers than they are with their own family you're right but I believe it's kind of like it's, it's experiential certain people as we say 2.5 about family family is everything and they they are they walk to the store together they hop in the car and go to church together they'll they'll do they do every their their sister is their best friend their brother is their whatever you know they can they could be one really far on the stream of five but i'm just saying well you know? I, I i'll drop it okay i'll drop it to a 1.5 but i'm giving them a 0.5 because co-workers could mess you up jack <laughs> All right, next. Make your next. life miserable at the job. You done told them something, and next thing you know, your business is all no. over yeah. the all. I think 1.5 is fair. They under family. Okay. Some of okay. them could be, you know, not too far, not too far from family at the same time, depending on how 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 cool that individual is. Okay. So right. um, family 2.5, co-workers 1.5. Friend. Yeah. Next one is friends, and I don't mean Facebook friends. No, those are clearly associates. I mean, I mean people who are people who are friends. All right, uh, I'm gonna set this one. I'm gonna set this one at four, man. Mm. This could be, yeah. Well, here's it, the thing: you have your different levels of what friends are, right? Mm. Mm. Are you you are like now? I'm not talking about the Facebook friends. I'm just saying, for example, you and I are are we consider ourselves friends, even to the point where we go past friends, brothers, even. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but I also have friends that I consider really good friends, even brothers, some of them. But I don't nearly like connect and confide and well, open my. Let's just say the more confiding, the deeper the connection, the greater the risk. Yeah. Because that's really what we're talking about, right? Now, mind you, folks, the numbers that we're assigning here, these aren't numbers that we're assigning that are, are representative of the amount 
of pain that you will feel. These numbers are the amount of pain that you might feel in the event that the companionship goes left. Right. Right. Remember, we're talking about the risk versus the reward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would have to say that the reward of your friendship is probably on that same scale, way over a five or mm -hmm. five plus. And the risk, uh, the risk or how the, the way that I would feel if you did me dirty is, is right up there at a four two, but I don't really expect that to happen. I don't think that will happen. And I have made a decision that the joy of five outweighs the risk of four. Am I mm -hmm. right, Jason? That's the kind of calculus we talking about here, right? Yeah, I, I like that um, assessment. That 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 take, if you will, is risky. I mean, the closer you get to an individual, the more intimate you get with an individual. Um, that then that number goes higher. Okay, so we got family co-workers friends romance yeah that i can say this uh, as i think and we don't have to do make any adjustments but if we set friends you can have friends and then you can have best friends um that's okay. but we can leave it alone because we are we already know if you if you split those two there's going to be a of course a noticeable difference mm -hmm. between that number mm -hmm. no that's right yeah but, romance mm -hmm. romantic relationships five period it's, period no yeah it's easy it's the highest it's risk you talk about romance uh, encompasses the sexuality sexuality brings with it a level of vulnerability that is almost incalculable mm -hmm. and at that level of vulnerability the risk is extremely, extremely high that you will experience great pain in the event of being hurt. So I think romance is a five. Uh, that leaves pets, which I'm gonna set at about a point seven. Ooh. Wait, wait, I thought the scale was from one to five. Talk to me. I thought it was zero. I thought I said zero. Okay. Zero to zero, five, one to five. You had a oh, point seven. I'm okay. My bad. My bad. I thought point, I was point. You know what? I'll, I'll set it at one. I'll set it at one. Um, but it's, it's low risk. Listen, pets are low risk and high reward. <laughs> That's why they're popular, right? I mean, everybody loves a dog, man. Yeah. Dogs are high reward. They wait on you, man. They bark. They jump all over you. They love on you. All you got to do is feed them, give them some water to drink, and take them for a walk. That's yeah. all you got. And take them to the vet, get their shots. You do that, a dog will love you like there is no tomorrow. So the reward is very high i think however that the investment 
other than the practical investments of the responsibilities that go along with pet ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure you take them to the vet, giving them food, taking them for walks, making sure they have water, you know, ensuring their comfort in your house and all of that. All of that, that's an investment. But the reward that you get in terms of companionship from pets, especially mm-hmm. dogs, and for a lot of people, cats too. Dogs, cats, fish, birds, right? Uh, right. You, use the, you use the phrase domestic animals. That's right. beautiful. I think that captures everything. I'm going to put that at about a one. Because chances are you will disappoint the pet long before the pet will disappoint you. The disappointment that we have with a pet is typically in death, right? Right. There is that's that when that we know is inevitable. People get broke up when they're, you know, when the dogs die, when their cats die, etc. And justifiably so, right? Because right. there is a closeness that comes with that. But I think I, I'm gonna set that. I'm gonna set that number at like a one. For those reasons. Yeah. So we had five, right? Is mm-hmm. I think we basically went through ranking them accordingly if we have five we definitely we got intimate relationships romantic relationships at five we essentially have friends best friends at a four right this is bottom let's just level it out right (laughs) um we had co-workers at a three no i I had co-workers no we had family at 2.5 okay so you want family at three sorry I, no, well, you had family at three. What do we have? We I think we had family at, at three point. I, I said two. I said two point five for family. All right. Was there anything between family and um, friends? Family, friends, coworkers. So I, I put at family, friends, coworkers, pets, and romance. Okay. Family was uh 2.5 is what i gave it right friends is a four co-workers i gave uh we gave them a 1.1.5 a 1.5 romantic partners five and pets one yeah that makes sense those two point, those two point something, we just round up to the highest number. Oh, okay. And, you and want we'll to round have, it up. Yeah. Okay. And we'll just so have it. Then one. that means that coworkers are actually a two and that uh, friends, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, start from okay. the bottom. Let's start from the bottom. Start from the bottom. We know domestic animals are ones. Mm-hmm. We're basically saying coworkers are twos. Mm-hmm. Families, families, more or less are threes mm-hmm. um friends are fours and intimate partners romantic partners are fives yep that's beautiful we you just we just created something chick that's it that's it now for y'all who are listening y'all might agree you might disagree right, that's right. fine we want you to do that matter of fact exactly go you, there go to the motown philly facebook group Tell us what you think. Podcast Facebook group and give us your rankings, right? Give us your rankings. Uh, You can count on Jason and I going in once a week each. In fact, I might go in tomorrow 
mm-hmm. and type out our rankings ahead of this week's release, which will probably be on Sunday or Monday, mm-hmm. uh, coming up in a few days, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, let us know what your rankings are. But Jason, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about let's talk about the differences between these categories and I want to specifically talk at some point about the difference between excuse me the ones and the fives okay but let's talk about what is it that well no I I think we've we've, I think we've sort of done that already that's not the way I meant to ask the question Mm -hmm. Um, what is it that deters what are some of the biggest deterrents from romantic relationships because it seems like everybody wants to be in one right everybody wants a relationship everybody feels like they need a relationship and maybe the question we need to be asking ourselves is what does a relationship give me that I don't have right now? And maybe the answer to that question is companionship. Right. That's a legitimate human need. And we can have companionship with our friends. We can have companionship with our coworkers. We can even have companionship with our, our dogs and our cats and our domestic animals but there's no companionship quite like the companionship of another person and people want that hence the market for dating websites right what is it jason that what is it that pushes people to want romantic relationships and what is it that pushes people away from wanting romantic relationships I guess it was, I guess it's, well, let me see if I can continue to push where you're pushing right now with this thought. Let's fundamentally like define companionship and relationship because I think they're, they both are a thing, but they are different things, even though they kind of sound the same and i made them sound the same uh earlier when we first started like but i do think that there is a fundamental difference between companionship and relationship uh, what do you think about that idea i'm guessing when you talk about the difference between companionship and relationship you see relationship as an umbrella term that encompasses in part companionship and that there may be multiple aspects to a relationship in the broad sense companionship is one of those aspects Mm -hmm. but companionship does not exhaust all of the ways that we are in relationship with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is, is that is that yeah. is that accurate? Totally, totally. And as maybe to 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 continue it further, 
companionship to me offers a sense of warmth um it offers a sense of coming alongside like shoulder to shoulder like this is this person is walking with me companion means that uh a sense a sense of closeness uh, i can even say intimacy on some level not necessarily physical but definitely emotional so in some on some level we are in the same on the same journey uh in the same boat if you will we, we, we yeah, we're in the same space mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. for the same reason mm -hmm. right so there seems to be a unity of purpose a unity of intent mm -hmm. a unity of title mm -hmm. and a unity of time we could call this pit P-I-T-T, -T, purpose, intent, title, and time. Mm -hmm. You and a young lady go out to dinner. She is your companion for the evening. You are having companionship with this woman. There is a unity of purpose. You want her to accompany you to dinner. She wants to accompany you, right? There's mm -hmm. a reciprocity there. Yeah your intent while in that same in that same place at the same time is to have conversation to maybe express comfort mm -hmm. to enjoy the company of another person and to possibly probe that person deeper for some sense of who they are Definitely. right yeah and and i think this idea of time and space becomes very important because whatever level of companionship you have whether it's a one or it's a five these four things are presupposed right purpose mm -hmm. intent title she might she might not be your girlfriend maybe she is just a friend right right mm -hmm. maybe she is just a friend maybe you're just her friend right mm -hmm. and and time you're in the same place at the same time if you're not in the same place at the same time it's not companionship Ooh, we talk something we talk similar about space and time i want hopefully we get to break yeah, that oh, down oh, a little we're bit coming, we're, we're coming to that we're okay coming to okay that, right so so it, these these four things purpose intent title time uh and i guess you could put space on the end pits p-i-t-t-s mm -hmm. that's what companionship is all about right that's what companionship means and what i'm trying to get at is what makes what could be going on in a person's life that makes p-i-t-t-s purpose intent title time and space mm -hmm. what is it that makes pits we'll use that as our acronym what is it that makes that more attractive if it's a domestic animal as opposed to a romantic partner 
I think you said it. Um, there is less risk when it comes to caring and loving on in, in, on an animal. Less risk and high reward. The high reward is is what is most attractive to to being in to being with a or making a pet your companion and uh seeing them and them seeing you when you open the door after you know you're out for work or on a mini vacay whatever they they're always excited every day is groundhog's day when you come home to see uh your pet that's they're yours the thing about companionship there's a sense of ownership as well right there's a sense of saying that's mine and she like i'm his um i'm hers and she and she's mine or whatever type of whether you know animal or what ha what have you but it's just like there's a sense of like and that person especially if you think about a dog like yeah they rarely will you have a pet and you walk through the door and they're just like yeah what's up unless it's a cat cats listen <laughs> cats is a whole nother podcast y'all <laughs> if y'all understand cats cats they can get they can give a rat's patootie sometimes a lot of times um when you walk in the door maybe they'll show you a little love and once they rub your leg they off to the next thing um they they might just be indicating hey i changed my litter or feed me but they're not then they're, they're not the most excited animals when when you walk in the door but you said it high high reward is in is something that is can be very endearing um to a human who desires companionship with low risk but that well, let's go well, let's go a little deeper jason okay there's so one level of why is high reward low risk and the deeper question is why is high reward low risk so attractive sometimes high reward low risk is so attractive precisely because maybe you've been hurt before Mm -hmm. and maybe you are in recovery right a lot of our listeners may have pets because maybe they're in recovery from abusive relationships right mm -hmm. and maybe you have never felt love genuine love from a romantic partner and maybe what you get from your pets really does it for you right Conditional. They always and, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that right mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that at all I just think it's important to sort of know what it is that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'll, I'll make myself vulnerable here in the interest of communication. Cause that's what we do here at Motown Philly. I love myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. We're going to talk about that another time, but yeah, listen, yeah. for me personally, and everyone's experience is different. So I don't, I'm not knocking anyone who, who has pets and, and I, I frankly, I you like tell them about the time, about the time. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna tell them, okay. right. I'm gonna tell folks about how for me personally, this is not normative. It's descriptive of me. I'm not knocking anybody who has a pet. I know in my own mind and with my own motives, I sense that if I got a dog, it would be as if I was giving up on people. 
Can I tell a story? And what what story? I don't know what story you talking about, man. <laughs> so I'm reluctant to say story. I wasn't even thinking about no story. I oh, was just okay. thinking about saying that for me. Okay. Personally, <laughs> I am I am I not the reason I'm not a pet owner is because I believe that if I owned a pet, it would be my motive would be to have it be a substitute got it for a human being and i would rather not do that i'm not knocking anybody who has a pet i'm not here to tell you dogs are bad or cats are bad or whatever i'm just saying that when i examine my own motives i would i know that i would be i sense that i would be selling myself short if I settled for the low risk, high reward of pet ownership, that would be a real challenge for me. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at on that. There was a Jason. story. There was a story attached to that, guys. Tim, Tim's memory is, is impeccable for you guys who, <laughs> who do not know Tim, but. Uh, we may share it and we may we well let's yeah so let's well let's let's talk about let's talk about something else though jason seriously let's talk about the emotions right because the Mm. emotions are shot through all of these categories yeah right we have deep emotional attachments to pets we have deep emotional attachments to our romantic partners on either the one and the five and we have deep attachments to family family we have deep attachments to uh to friends and we have deep attachments to co-workers right yeah and you know it came up in my philosophy class the other day uh, two days ago i was teaching class and for those who are listening y'all this is a philosophy class at eight o'clock in the morning an introduction of philosophy class and we're in class talking about Rene descartes and descartes meditations right so Descartes is this 17th century philosopher who is trying to understand the nature of who he is. And he concludes in the meditation that he is a combination of two substances, mind and body. Mm-hmm. And these two substances represent two or not represent. They are two um natures of their two separate natures that are incompatible with one another. So minds are unextended and indivisible, but everybody is extended in space and is divisible. So wherever you are right now, you're extended in space. Any object that you can think of a table, a chair, a book, what have you is extended into space and it can be divided. Mm -hmm. But the mind is invisible it's intangible right and one of my students asked a question and she said she asked me she said isn't that one of the great problems of philosophy is how we reconcile two parts of ourselves with one another that seem to be so different and man when she asked me that question the floodgates opened up And so one of the things I said in response to her question was, yes. And then I said to her, 
mind and body is sort of like reason and the emotions reason tells us that you can't be in two places at the same time you just can't i'm in walla walla and i can't be in walla walla washington and in memphis tennessee at the same time right reason tells me that if i got accused of a crime that was going on in memphis right now i got an alibi because i ain't nowhere near memphis i'm in walla walla so reason has a very limited sort of understanding but then we have these things called emotions and the emotions are sort of divine in a sense the emotions can work miracles Mm -hmm. the emotions can when we feel something for someone and it doesn't have to be a positive emotion it could be a negative emotion when we feel something for someone one way or another that person now transcends space and time you ever heard the phrase you ever heard the the old statement man he living in your head rent rent free, free. Mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. know why he living in your head rent free because of the emotions because the emotions are capable of making people transcend space and time so mm-hmm. you can be in two places at once when a man loves a woman Girl, I'm trying to figure out how you can be across town and in my mind at the same time. How is it that you could be hundreds of miles away, thousands of miles away, and yet I, you are with me as though you are right here, but you're not here. So I feel even a deeper longing for you and your absence your physical absence implies an a deeper emotional presence. That's what the emotions do. That's what God does. That's the divinity in us. See, cause here at Motown Philly, Jason, this is what we try to tell y'all. We are about the totality of the human person. Yeah. You got emotions for a reason, yeah. right? This is why the emotions are so important to grasp and understand because when they're rightly understood, they do things that are divine. Mm -hmm. Anybody out there listening who plays a wind instrument, a trumpet, a trombone, a saxophone, you know what happens? The Bible says that Adam became a living soul when God did what? When he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. I don't know if y'all remember the Sandy Hook tragedy. There was a man named Jimmy Green, whose little girl was killed on that fateful day in December of 2012. He was in so much pain. He played the saxophone. He was in so much pain. He couldn't process it. He went out and made a CD of instrumental saxophone music that ended up winning a Grammy. And I like to think that his emotion, his pain, his grief 
over the loss of his daughter caused him to breathe into his saxophone the breath of life and the saxophone became a living soul became music art comes from the emotions Mm -hmm. the emotions are the divine element in human beings that trans that cause people to transcend space and time and can bring inert musical instruments to life mm. wow <laughs> Jake, i'm speechless this is what we do this is the emotions and and what where here's the question where do we invest our emotions are we mm. going to invest them in the question of where we're going to invest them it's in a large extent to a large extent depends upon where we are yeah. as people emotionally mm-hmm. if you've just been hurt you might not be ready to invest in a romantic partner maybe investing in a pet is right where you need to be right right if if maybe you uh you have never felt love and you feel afraid and you feel reticent and you're like i don't know and you know you got to ask yourself is the risk is the is the risk worth the reward and that's the beauty of companionship is that you you're always making that judgment you're always asking yourself where Am I going to invest my emotions? Because check this out, Jason. Once I invest my emotions in you, you're going to be in, you're going to be living in my head. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to transcend space and time. And if, if my emotions are that powerful, I have to make sure that you are worth the investment. What about for those individuals? who who want an uh an investment or if you will who want a relationship let's not put it in numbers solely or in like like the the value although we're talking about value say they want to be in a relationship an intimate relationship but i mean when i when i do look at it in the value terms of of the hierarchy of how much is this going to cost me one through five they one might be open or might pose or posture as if they're ready for the investment of a five of an intimate relationship so when i say pose it's just like in their head it could be the fact that yo i'm i am ready for a relationship but when you look inside their purse of what they have to give or what they have to share or like the currency that they have, they don't really have it in them. How do you know if they really have it in them or to actually be in a, in a, in a relationship that causes that deep companionship where you and you're investing like wholeheartedly the risk, the true risk of saying, you're five and I'm going to I'm going to operate in this relationship as if I am I am totally open and and to this relationship and and vulnerable to this relationship where I'm given five type five type companionship interaction you know yeah 
Yeah, I mean, Jason, in the end, we are all in a process of preparing ourselves for some minimal level of investment. To your question, how do I know if the person has the capacity to make the investment? You're going to have to make a minimal investment of time, right? You're going to have to make a minimal investment of some companionship long enough to be able to say, okay, this person don't have it, mm-hmm. right? This person doesn't have it in them to do what I am capable of doing because mm-hmm. I know the kind of investment that I can make. And I don't see this person as being capable of making that investment. And the reason I don't see it is because I've made a minimal investment of time and being around that person and so forth and so on. So that's, you know, that's part of the the problem. But here's the thing, folks. Any one of these five categories, whether it be a pet, a romantic partner, a family member, a friend, or a coworker, requires some effort on our part requires some investment and you have to know what your motives are right Mm -hmm. if if you investing in everyone but a romantic relationship is the result of you not wanting to be hurt in a romantic relationship i'm going to go out on a limb and i'm going to tell you i don't think that's a healthy decision And it's not a healthy decision because now you're functioning at an autoimmune level. What do I mean? We talked about this before. Autoimmunity. What is it? It's a disorder in which in an attempt to help yourself, you end up hurting yourself. So in an attempt to protect yourself from harm, you say, I'm going to avoid romantic relationships. And you're now living in an avoidance mindset. You're now living your life based on what you don't want rather than living your life based on what you do want. And anytime we do that, we are actually hurting ourselves despite the overt effort to protect ourselves because that's what auto, that's what an autoimmune disorder is. Right. And now, now if you are invested in those relationships, every relationship but a romantic relationship because you don't believe that the romantic relationship is is for you and you can honestly look yourself in the mirror and say that which i can't do this is why i don't own a pet right because for me personally i know that if i did own one it would probably be an inauthentic way for me to avoid the possibility of a relationship with another person. Why? Because a pet, very, very low risk, very, very high reward. The Mm -hmm. companionship, the joy, the warmth, the comfort that I would feel would be enough for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's anything, again, there's nothing wrong with being a pet owner or anything like that. I'm just talking about my own circumstance and saying that for me, it would be a way to avoid a romantic relationship that may or may not happen but 
I'm not going to make sure it doesn't happen in the interest of protecting myself from being hurt. Because if I did that, my act of self-protection would actually be an act of self-harm. Yeah, I get that. I think that, I guess what that also says in a lot of ways, as we're, as we become like self-professing of, Hey, I want, um, a relationship or I, I want to have five, you know, at least, you know, that, that currency where I level five investment with a romantic relationship. Sometimes the other, you know, four, three, twos, we can get so invested in them at whatever capacity that they are, that it just, it in, in a way distracts us maybe unconsciously, right. From actually participating or being available, if you will, for the level five relationship. So it's just like, maybe on one hand, you're wondering why can't I be in a level five, but that autoimmunity because you're so busy into the others, the ones, the twos, the threes, keeping yourself going, you don't, you're not even allowing yourself to open up to so that you can hold space with a five because you haven't sat back. Maybe it's the fact that you hadn't sat back to take inventory to be like, where am I, where am I spending my, my currency so that I can't make myself available, you know? Yeah, and we run into problems when we mix these categories. It's mm. a problem to treat your romantic partner like a pet. <laughs> it's a problem to say, girl, I feed you, I clothe you. You can't show me a little more gratitude than mm -hmm. that. You on the sun right now, chick. Don't go down that, that road. That, you, ain't, <laughs> you can't be talking to your talking to your boo like you talk to your pooch. Mm-hmm. You know, because your 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 boyfriend or your girlfriend or who your significant other is not a dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, flip, and you can flip it too, right? You can flip it too. You should, right? You shouldn't be treating dog that dog. <laughs> you shouldn't be treating that dog like it's your boo. Hey, babe. <laughs> <laughs> you should be treating that dog I'm like it's your boo. You know, you spin the drop some gems there, Jason Hall. You, you shouldn't but, be treating that cuddled up with that dog and as if it was a you know what I'm saying? Nah. Hey, because it's not. It's a different kind of relationship. And the, the I guess what else we're saying here, this sort of overlaps with our discussion we did a while back on boundaries, right? All of these relationships have boundaries. I'm sure a lot of y'all got co-workers that y'all ride or die for at the job. If they show up at your house wanting to cuddle up and snuggle up, you'd be shutting the door right in their face. Boom. Get yourself out of my house. You my co-worker, Jack. You ain't my boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, you keep you. people. People. Remember, it's. Your coworker is your coworker because they are your companion at work and you may have companionship with them outside of work, but the principal source of your companionship is that y'all share a space together at the same time. What, wait same a minute. What, what happens? What happens when one of them comes to work and say, you, you, my, you, my work husband, <laughs> little blurring of life, you, my work wife. Mm-hmm. 
Check this out, man. That's when it's time to get you some new co-worker. <laughs> Best stop putting your resume out there. Yeah. <laughs> or ask for a transfer from your department, yeah. right? Yeah. So because these boundaries are real, right? right? It's places where you don't I mean, look, you do things with your romantic partner that you don't do with your family. I certainly hope that's the case. We're not gonna even open that Wait, up. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> right. So I think being understanding companionship has a lot to do with understanding the inherent risk reward in relationship all relationships mm -hmm. right i mean theoretically you know your dog might get rabid and have to get put down right that could be disappointing but on balance people like relationships with dogs and justifiably so because the risk is pretty low you don't have to invest uh, your investment is mostly an investment of time and the reward that the dog or the pet gives you back is typically typically far outweighs the investment that you have to make right mm -hmm. and so you know you 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 have to know these different types of investments and you have to go through it you also got to know the romantic partners is going to the romantic partner the husband the wife boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you know, significant other, whatever, however you want to put it, they're going to be a high risk and a high reward, uh, a, high, a high risk because of a high investment, right? And you have to hope that the reward is also a five. See, because what ends up happening if when it comes to romantic partners, if the risk is five, if the reward is anything less than five, you probably need to keep stepping. If the reward ain't five, then it's five. not a good, healthy relationship. All right, five or greater. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. You're gonna yeah. struggle. The thing is, like with the pet, the reason one of, one of the reasons why the risk reward is so low. And I'm not saying that there does there is not inherent hurt or pain that you can get from a pet. Like Tim said earlier, very little disappointment can come from a pet. Besides, I said besides death and that's not necessarily little disappointment depending on the attachment that you have to a pet but they can disappoint you i mean maybe they peed on the carpet you might be more mad than disappointed but as far as the emotional investment it's not equal you might be more emotionally invested in them than they are in you or or maybe vice versa it's not a it's not always a, a fair a fair or equal reciprocity because a dog's a dog i mean he's gonna he or she is just going to love you unconditionally for the most part. And when it comes to a human, there's a lot more uh, interplay and nuances to to the relationship of of what makes it worth it. And that person, those two people have to have a willing commitment to each other on a daily basis that says, you know, you want to show up for each other and you can't like you can't control that. A dog, a dog is just going to be on. If a dog likes you at some point in time, sometimes dogs just don't like their owners. But if a dog generally likes you from the jump, they're not. I don't think they're not going to like you in year seven that you're with them. They they know that you feed them and you pet them and you rub their belly. Life is good for them. Right. I mean, unless you decide to just go off the rails and like, you know, toss your dog out the window and you ain't. I mean, you know, but then see, you're not really invested. 
No. Right? I mean, you just doing whatever you want to do. Hey, listen, folks, here's the thing. Companionship is a part of life. All these relationships that we mentioned, they're they're part of life. And at some point, I think we're going to have to sit back and say to ourselves, how are we deciding on companionship? How are we deciding what we communicate to others? What kind of communicate? Because the kind of, again, the kind of communication you have with your dog is not the same as the kind of communication you have with your coworker, is not the same kind of communication that you have with your best friend, is not the same kind of communication you have with your family, is not the same kind of communication that you have with your significant other. They are all different kinds of communication. They are all different kinds of connection. They're different kinds of community. Now you can have a coworker who maybe slips out of the category of coworker into friend. That can happen. People make friends at work and you might have, you might be someone that fits into multiple categories, right? Maybe there's somebody who has uh, somebody that, again, that's a coworker, that's a good friend. It could be that you fit into three categories. You could be a coworker, a friend, and a family member, right? If people work together in a family business, right? All of those things you could share together. So the point is at some point, it's important for us to reflect on companionship and how we do companionship and why we do companionship the way we do. Right. That's important, Tim. Uh, can you say that again? Unpack that a little bit more, but make that plain because some of us could be we could be at either one of those points, but we're not we're not really aware of where where we are in that continuum. Mm -hmm. And if we want to get out of it or if we should get out of it or, you know, you're just not really sure where you are. Yeah. And I mean, and it's important to know what your motives are. Like I said, for me, pet ownership is probably not an option. Number one, I probably wouldn't be a good pet owner. I travel too much, especially if it was a dog. I travel too much. And number two, for me, I I know it would be in terms of my own motivation. It would be a way for me. It would be too easy for me to avoid other types of relationships that have the potential to be much more rewarding much more risky, right? But eventually much more rewarding. I would rather, listen, I'm gonna go on record as saying this. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, if I had a choice, I'd rather have a relationship with a woman than with a pet. Now, that, that I'll, I'm just saying that, right? Mm -hmm. I'd rather have a relationship with a woman. I'd rather have a romantic partner and I'd rather have companionship that results from that relationship than I would have companionship that results from a relationship with a pet. That's just me. I know there are other people who feel differently and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's, that's my point of view. And my point is you have to know who you are, where you are, why you are, where you are, and you have to be able to critically examine your own motives. Is it, is it too much to say that, or to simplify what you said, like if you're Charlie Brown, you rather you rather be you rather be in relationship with. Uh, yeah, that's right. I would rather run. The, I I will I will run the risk of playing with Lucy, 
and having her move the ball and falling flat on my back than I would playing by myself and putting the ball on the tee. Yeah. Now, I can honestly say I didn't always feel that way. Right? Can we modify it, though? Like, sure. you, me, we would rather run the risk of playing football with someone like Lucy, however, maybe not Lucy, but someone who is more emotionally intelligent, like we strive to be, like we all striving to be, to be to not be in a relationship. When I say like Lucy, you know, someone of the opposite sex. Right. <laughs> who right. fits a category who doesn't who who's right. not gonna yank the football from me. Like at least we're starting with Lucy, right? That's right. So here's the thing. I, I, maybe I'll simplify what I just said. I'll put it this way. Mm -hmm. If I have a choice between a relationship where I play with Lucy and she intentionally disappoints me and, and a relationship in which I play with Lucy and I'm disappointed only because of Lucy's inherent fallibility as a human being not because she is intentionally trying to humiliate me. I choose the latter yeah. of those two over a pet any day. Very well said. Very right. Well said. And, and I think I like that clarification, Jason. That's mm -hmm. important. Listen, folks, companionship matters. People matter. You matter. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your pets, your significant other everybody matters because in a sense we all are craving that companionship we just want to make sure that companionship is healthy and we want to make sure that and part of making sure it's healthy is that not only do we have to examine others to see if they are worthy or ready for the companionship but it also means that we have to examine ourselves to make sure that we aren't avoiding certain types of companionship for unhealthy reasons beautiful okay. jay man listen where can they find you man yo you guys look me up on instagram at the speakers mechanic at the speakers mechanic on instagram you can find me on linkedin for my professional sites i am a communication skills coach i help people who are professionals entrepreneurs subject matter experts influencers speak clear speak effectively speak communicate and give a presence that they themselves will not only be proud of but draw others to them in their message tim where can we find you you can find me on instagram at a good golden man I only accept follows on Instagram from actual human beings. If you got numbers in your IG name, chances are you a bot and you're getting blocked. Anyway, you can find me on the gram, Instagram, at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ. 
And last but not least, you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden. Three things in life are certain death, taxes, and I am the only black man in Walla Walla, Washington named Tim Golden. I guarantee it. Walla Walla, the city so nice you had to say it not once, but how many times, Jay? You got to say it twice. Say it twice. Walla Walla. Listen, Motown Philly fam, we are here for you. We are doing our thing. And uh, stay tuned at the end of this for our Black History Month Spotlight, which is coming up. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week. Uh, Or I should say we will see you next month because the next time you hear us, it will be next month. It'll be March and we'll be getting ready for episode 29 of the Motown Philly podcast. Love y'all beyond words. Take care of yourselves and each other. Hello and welcome to the Black History Spotlight for the Motown Philly podcast. This week's Black History Spotlight is on none other than Charles Hamilton Houston. He was born September 3rd, 1895 in Washington, D.C. Charles Hamilton Houston was an American lawyer and educator instrumental in laying the legal groundwork that led to U.S. Supreme Court rulings outlawing racial segregation in public schools. Houston graduated as one of six valedictorians from Amherst College with his Bachelor of Arts in 1915. After teaching for two years at Howard University in Washington, D.C., he enlisted in the U.S. Army and was commissioned a second lieutenant in field artillery and served in France and Germany during World War I. Following his discharge in 1919, Houston enrolled at Harvard Law School, where he earned his Bachelor of Laws in 1922 and his Doctor of Juridical Science in 1923, where he was the first black editor of the Harvard Law Review. He went on to study civil law at the University of Madrid in Spain. After being admitted to the bar in the United States in 1924, he practiced law with his father until 1950. As vice dean of the Howard University Law School from 1929 to 1935, Houston shaped it into a significant institution. The school trained almost one-fourth of the nation's black students, among them a young Thurgood Marshall. During Houston's tenure, The school became accredited by the Association of American Law Schools and the American Bar Association. Houston made significant contributions in the battle against racial discrimination, challenging many of the Jim Crow laws. In 1935 through 1940, he served as special counsel for the NAACP among several important civil rights cases. I'm sorry, arguing several several important civil rights cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. Houston's contributions to the abolition of legal discrimination went largely unrecognized until after his death. He was posthumously awarded the NAACP Spingarn Medal in 1950. Several public schools bear his name, as does the main building of the Howard Law School, which was dedicated in 1958. A law professorship and several student organizations also honor Charles Hamilton Houston, who died on April 22nd, 1950, in the place where he was born, Washington, D.C. 
Charles Hamilton Houston, a life, a black life, well lived.